0: All right, today I want to teach from Leviticus 22. I want to read verses 31 to 33, and it'll key in with this here that you see. It says, Keep my commands and follow them. I am the Lord. Do not profane my holy name, for I must be acknowledged as holy by the Israelites. I am the Lord who made you holy and brought you out of Egypt to be your God, I am the Lord. And so it mentions two things in that text that about us keeping God's commands. First, that when we live by his commands, we acknowledge that God is holy, set apart and different. And second, that when we live by his commands, it causes us to be holy, set apart and different. And so that, I guess, maybe is one way of seeing if you're really holy, if you're different from everybody else around you and so when you go to work go to school and you start observing the behavior and the words that come out of the mouths of other people and holy set apart different if there is a difference between you and them that is what the scriptures are talking about holy is not i've i've met a certain criteria i've kept 85 90 95 100 of the scriptures it's I'm wholly set apart and different than the others. I have a different purpose for living. I'm part of a different kingdom, part of a different nation. And therefore, different nations, different countries, kingdoms have different rules or laws. Chewing gum, for example, is banned in Singapore. So you'd better leave it at home before getting on the plane. If you break the gum rule for the first time, you may be fined for up to (laughs) $1,000. Now, I found that the other day, and so first I said, well, when I found it, well, just because it's on YouTube doesn't mean it's true. We can all post on YouTube. But, you know, this afternoon I did just do a quick little search, and there was a BBC, BBC News post there discussing this, yeah. that it's illegal. Right. And then when Donna saw that, when I was just setting it up earlier, she then sent me a, a text and showed me that in Ireland it may not be legal. It's Ireland, right? It's not legal, illegal to chew gum, But if you are caught tossing it some gum anywhere other than a garbage can, you can be fined. And so now some of us hopefully in this room understand the benefit and the purpose of such a law. But I would imagine that if we took a survey of people around the world, there might be some disapproval and disagreement with that. They might sit there and just think, that is outrageous. That is just too much. You've gone overboard. You've gotten carried away by these laws that you have. Well, as I thought about it, and the reason I picked that particular one when I just did a little searching is because that's probably what people think about the Bible and God's commands. God, you've gotten a little carried away. You've gone too far with your laws. And you, it's just too much. It's unnecessary. And I bet you there's probably plenty of people on planet Earth that think that. I'm sure of that, because I probably thought that before I come to faith. And, and so it's common that that's what you see. different kingdoms have different laws. And so other people don't understand it. Now, Exodus nineteen five also similar to the scripture from Leviticus 22, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you'll be my treasured possession. This is one of those passages has an if then. People don't like if thens all the time. They just think Christians, oh, we're under grace. We can do what we want. And uh, you know, there's that concept too often out there in the world among people of God, people of faith. But there are if thens in the Bible And and we have to reckon with that. If you fully, completely, entirely keep God's covenant, then and only then will you be God's treasured possession. It is conditional. He may love us, but to be his treasured possession, it's not I'm born into the family or I said some magic prayer. But if we fully, completely obey God's word, then we're his treasured possession. And and so the word in Hebrew for treasured possession is segula, meaning possession, ownership, control, something belonging to one. And in this case, God and more, but we'll stop there for the moment. God owns us. He controls us. We belong to him. We're his possession. And therefore God is justified in telling us how we can live our lives but we're not just his possession, we're also, you know, his treasure possession. So what does that mean? What do you think when you see this in regards to that passage? Any thoughts? Treasure, something of great value, great worth, and love. We're not just a possession, we are, but that's only part of the truth. More of the truth is, but one that he treasures, values, thinks we are of great value and wealth and worth and just love is what he feels and thinks about us. But as well, that word segula also triggered me to find and think of these pictures. Now, when you look at this picture, what do you think? Any thoughts? If you were walking down the street and you just happened to see that outside the door across the street, what would you stop and think? An earthquake. Strange. Something's not right with that picture. I would not be buying an apartment in that place or an office. I I can't imagine it might still be there tomorrow or even in an hour from now. That's how you read a newspaper? It just doesn't fit. It's unusual. It's not of the ordinary. And that's also what this word segula means, that if we obey him, segula, where it also can be translated peculiar, treasure. And so therefore, just as we would look at that and say, wait, that's just not right. It should not be like that. That's not what I would expect. That's what people should think when they see us. When they hear us, we're not like ordinary people that they meet every day. There's something different out of the ordinary, unusual, peculiar, unique about us. than other people that they'd stop and say, wait a minute, that's not what I'm expecting to see or to hear. And so this is part of it. Both of the two passages, Leviticus, 22 and then exodus 19 had that word shamar for keep keep his commandments keep his covenant some of the uh, of that word there can be translated to keep hedge about with thorns that is to guard to generally to protect and preserve the theological word book of the old testament said the basic idea of this root word shamar to exercise great care over it. Be careful to do it. Perform carefully God's statues and ordinance. And so my mind grabbed hold of the word careful. Looking that up in a thesaurus, it gave words like vigilant, watchful. We gotta keep our eyes open. Be alert, thorough, meticulous, and precise. We've got to be careful and vigilant so that we don't neglect God's Bible or his commands because otherwise, what might happen to our Bibles? What's that little cloud coming up off of that Bible? Dust. If we surveyed the world today, we might find a few dusty Bibles. Ravi, when I was just talking to him last night, the first time I've had a chance to talk to him maybe this whole week, I don't know, uh, about 11 o'clock last night, you know, he sat there and said, in America, we don't just have one Bible on our shelf. Many, many people around America could have five, ten different Bibles. I don't know. I got one and a half plus shelves of, of Bibles just in my house from me alone. It's just people who've given them to me years ago, purchased them different... We've got all these Bibles and and we've got to be careful and keep our eyes open to remember that book so that it doesn't get dusty. It is very easy to allow people and things to steal God's time so we don't read our Bibles. We've got to be like watchmen on the wall to prevent people and things from breaking into our calendar and robbing our time with God and his word. If our eyes aren't open and we're not vigilant, it's easy to get busy and go a day, two days, three, a week, or more without ever touching our Bible. It can happen that easily. And so we've got to be meticulous and purposeful to say, wait a minute, I've got to stop and plan to read God's word. I need to do it. And as I was thinking about it, said, maybe the first time when I came to faith, Mrs. Render told me who was instrumental in bringing me to faith, read three chapters a day and in one year you'll read the entire Bible from start to finish. And so I listened to her and I did that for several years, which meant usually December, well, it was a good thing after, during college, you had like two weeks, you finished the semester in the middle of the month the last two weeks of December, I almost did nothing but read the Bible because I wasn't faithful but in reading it every day. But I said, I'm going to read to the very end by December 31st. And I did a whole lot of reading every December. I crammed it in just like college. But every year I did complete the Bible start to finish every year. And so that's good. And when you do that at the beginning, you get a general overview, a feel for God and his word, and that's good. And then, but after a while, I say, you know, it's good that I do that, but I felt led personally to then say, now I'm not going to necessarily read three chapters a day and read the whole thing, start to finish every year. What I'm going to do is just read less, but try to dig in more and actually understand something and learn something. I got a general feel, but now I felt it was time to like say All right, God, maybe I'll look up a word, like I did with the word Shamar, pull out a dictionary, a concordance, or something, and say, now let's really find out what is God actually trying to say and, and and get a better understanding and feeling for what he wants me to do with this. Now that hopefully I got a little general idea of who God is and what he wants let's really try to be meticulous and thorough and precise in studying and say, ah, this is one thing that he'd like me to focus on, think about, pursue now, and and have that as a goal. And so that word shamar, guard, protect, and preserve. And, And so when I punch those words into, you know, clip art and Google images, you know, you wanna guard and protect, you gotta have a thick, what is it? A thick, not helmet, what do we say about people? A thick skull. And so for a security guard, you know, solid steel from head to toe. You know, you wanna guard and protect what's in that house, you wanna have a dog out front watching that hasn't been fed or in a few days. You know, make sure nobody dares try to come inside here and cause any trouble. You know, you put a little barbed wire, a little camera monitor up there. You're going to do whatever is necessary, whatever is in your means and ability, if you need to protect and guard and protect what's inside your house, what's inside your office, etc. Thinking about the Bible then as I was doing this, and all throughout history, people literally have tried to destroy God's word. God's word... Jeremiah. A few quick examples. Chapter 36, the king Jehudi uh, got a scroll and brought it to the king. Well, the king sent Jehudi to get a scroll, and he brought it to the king, and what did the king have him do? After he read just a few columns of the scroll, he had him stop, pull out a knife, cut off that piece of scroll and toss it in the fire. It's actually in Jeremiah 36, a king. Just because he was the king didn't mean he was godly. And he took God's word and had it burned. Hanukkah, King Antiochus said, if you find any Torah scrolls, God's word, tear to pieces and burn them. And he did. He set God's word on fire, tried to burn them up and rid the earth of the word of God. I read uh, as well as a guy, a, a church historian said royal edicts were published everywhere commanding churches be leveled to the ground, scriptures destroyed by fire. And then it said during this time, many copies of the Bible were burned. And then in France, there was a guy known by his pen name, Voltaire. It said this guy was a deist, doesn't that mean he has some sort of belief in a God type, a a creator or something? Yet it says he was a deist who produced several volumes brimming with hatred for the Bible. A deist who hated the Bible. No one in Europe did as much to destroy faith in the word of God as Voltaire. During his life, a copy of the Bible was tied to the tail of a donkey, dragged through the streets to the city dump, where it was ceremoniously burned. Throughout history, people have tried to rid the earth of God's word. And some people have actually confiscated it and tossed it in a fire in attempts to rid the earth of the word of God. Now, most people who've done stuff like this to purge the earth were people that hated the Lord, but they're not the only ones who've tried to purge the earth of God's word. There are people who actually say they're people of faith, of of Messiah, yet don't believe that the Bible is inspired by God. And and they ignore it and even try to encourage others to ignore it. There are so-called Christians that believe that. But we are called by God to protect and preserve his word. I remember before we moved here, almost 10 years ago, we lived in Binghamton, New York, and I read that the local reform rabbi rejected divine inspiration of the Bible. She wrote in a newsletter that I was given by a friend that the Jewish Bible was simply a collection of books and compared them to folktales. Said they just happened to have Jewish authors The authors who wrote these books were Jewish, and so therefore, they're part of our culture. But they're not authored by God. They're simply authored by Jewish men or women. Whatever, Jewish men, I think. Yeah, that would cover things. Uh, But, or maybe Esther, you know, but Jewish authors. And so therefore, feel free to treat it like any other book. Read it, reject it. The choice is yours. This was a rabbi. We are called to preserve and protect God's word. And then there's another group of people that we in Messianic Judaism encounter, I think. There are people who sincerely love Yeshua, say that all scripture's inspired by God, but yet ignore most of the Bible. And tell us that that old stuff is not necessary anymore. Yet they say all scripture is inspired by God. I haven't figured out how you say that, but then practice it that way. I haven't figured that out. And as I was preparing for this message, I sensed the Lord say that we also must protect God's commands from their attack, from people's attack, and preserve all of God's word until heaven and earth pass away. And so that's something that we need to do. Because remember here what? It says in the Bible, the Lord never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So whatever Yeshua said 5,000 years ago is the same thing he's capable of saying today and the same thing he's capable of saying 5,000 years from now in the future. He's the same. Not only that, but Yeshua, who rose from the grave three days after dying, he is the same God who met with Moses at Mount Sinai and gave him the commandments. He's one of the same. And so the Torah is Yeshua's Torah. It's his word. Paul tells us all scriptures inspired by God, it's useful, profitable, for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training us in righteousness so we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There's value in every word found in the books from Genesis to Revelation. All scripture goes from tree to tree to tree. From the tree found in the Garden of Eden to the tree that Yeshua died on until the tree of life that is once again made accessible in the end times. I need an artist to come up with one nicely there. From tree to tree to tree, Genesis to Revelation, beginning to end. And so while we work to protect and preserve all of God's word though, one thing though, we need to remember the church is not our enemy. I get out there and and speak places and I meet people that are growing up Christian, become messianic, and they criticize the church day and night. We cannot criticize our brothers and sisters. We cannot criticize our Christians. We need to cause them to covet God's commands. We got no business criticizing other people. All of us have limited minds and have wrong doctrine. And there but for the grace of God. So we need to remember that we cannot criticize. And I see that rampart in, in messianic type circles. Now, we need to protect and preserve God's word. When Ron Leaf and I were in Israel a few years ago, I'm pretty sure that's the guy we saw. For thousands of years, Jewish trained scholars have been writing the Torah word for word letter for letter. Why? To protect and preserve the word. To make sure that every word, every letter in that Torah scroll right there is the same words and same letters it's always said. And not only that, but you can go to places and just dig in and study. I mean, here these guys are, they're just digging in, looking at that. They're looking with their eyes. What does it say? I've got to see it with my eyes. And they're discussing and digging in They want to learn from one of the, we're going to protect and preserve God's word. We've got to get into it and, and not just read it and gather information, but we can use different ways of studying to really figure out what does it mean and what is it telling us about how we are to live our life. And so people dig in and study and then we have that responsibility to protect and preserve it. That means we've got to teach other people what we've learned so that it continues until heaven and earth pass away. And the last thing, just to share, we'll a little bit after a song, we'll go ahead and close with what the ironic benediction. And what does one line say? The Lord bless you and keep you. There's the same word, shamar. And, and so God's called us to shamar to keep, protect, and preserve his word, his commands And in number six, God tells us that he will shamar. He will keep, protect, and preserve us. And so that's a promise from him. And so, Lord, thank you for that wonderful promise that you will protect and preserve us. You will keep us. No matter what happens, what people attempt and try, the enemy through any individuals, you promise to protect and preserve us. But Lord, we've also seen here that you call us to guard, protect, and preserve your word. So help us to make sure that it doesn't get dusty. Lord, this process begins by first reading it and hearing it. And then Lord, help us to use the different resources you bless us with that we might actually learn what you're trying to teach us and how you want us to live our life so that we will acknowledge that you are holy, set apart and different from all creation, and that we will actually be holy, set apart and different from all others. And so have your way in our lives. And I ask this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.